tonight, today, uh, is Tisha B'Av. Um, and we're going to skip all the pleasantries and the hellos that we normally do at the beginning of a shir, uh, because one of the halachos in Tisha B'Av is that you're not supposed to say hi to anybody, this is of Sheila Shalom. I waited until Tisha B'Av to record this, because I think when you record it on Tisha B'Av, it has a bit more power. At least for me, Tisha B'Av is probably the hardest holiday in the entire Jewish calendar to relate to. Uh, and I think, and, and for many of us, I think for most of us, Rav Pincus writes this in, in his Sefer, Galus and Nechama, that, that Tisha B'Av is the hardest one for us to relate to uh, in our generation. Why is that? I, I, there are many reasons, but I, I would posit uh, it's because we are more wealthy and comfortable at, in our generation than in any point in human history. So it's exceedingly difficult to relate to, oh, we're in exile, I wish things were different, because we don't, let's be real, we don't wish things were different, right? In a world where there's a Starbucks in every corner and you can fly to parts of different wor- of the world in hours, you can stream literally any entertainment medium to your face in seconds, uh, even simpler, right? You have bread in every single supermarket. Forget every supermarket, you have bread in every makolet, every bodega, has a stock full of drinks. I mean, think how simple that is. I mean, literally a hundred years ago, literally a hundred years ago, how did you get bread? You didn't walk down the block to shop, right? You, know, you had to plow your field, plant your grain, reap your grain, right? process the grain, grind it into flour, bake it, etc. If, if there were bad crops, there was no food. Right? We don't even understand what that means. Right? So like, even in the aftermath of like, you know, the Holocaust and the Corona and all that, the very concept of suffering and exile and destruction, like what they, they, those words carry no meaning for us, right? Like nowadays the phrase, I'm starving, right? How many times have you said in your life, I'm starving? Right? Like a million. Right? If, a, if a barbecue is delayed half an hour, everyone is starving, right? Like, it, like we're going to read in the Kinos tomorrow for the Jews in the time of Beis HaMikdash, they were starving. And what that meant was their mothers were eating their children. That's, I mean, that's starving, right? Rav Pincus writes that in Russia during World War II, right, people would white online for hours just to get a loaf of bread. But he actually writes that in a very fascinating context. He's explaining how the Mir Yeshiva uh, was uh, saved by going to Russia and then to Japan. This is a very interesting anecdote that the Mir, uh, they got um, tourist visas somehow. And that meant what, that they got put up in, like, the fanciest hotel in, like, Moscow. And they got shepherded. The kids got taken to, like, the zoo, like, on a trip. And they, were, they passed all these people in line for bread or whatever. So they were, like, shocked at how, like, it was such a disconnect. Anyway, whatever. So we, are, we don't even understand what that means. Wait online for hours to receive a loaf of bread? Like, people freak out if their favorite type of bread is not available in, uh, I don't know, Pathmark or whatever supermarket they still have. Like the definition of hardship nowadays is, is waiting a week before a new phone get, arrives in the mail. Like, like back in the day, it was you had to send your kid off to Hungary to never see them ever again because, oh, maybe he had a 3% chance instead of a 2% chance to survive the war. Right? The war, the Holocaust was, has like faded into memory. I'm sorry, I'm beleaguering the point. But like we, like we get, we're getting to the point where we're not going to even see people with numbers tattooed on their arm anymore. Right, so so how do we relate to Tishbev? Forget, forget like the pogroms, the crusades, the Inquisition, like these the kinos about the expulsions in Europe. We 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 have no concept. So we have to kind of reassess like what we're trying to think about. 
Um, you know, we, it's very difficult for us to think, well, we used to be in our own land and there was this temple. Things used to be better. Okay. I mean, like, it's very, very difficult to, to kind of like to relate to this. So, and, and this day is so central to write our Jewish faith, right? Tisha B'Av, right? One of the most serious days of the year. Right? It's tremendous. Right? Even someone who's sick, or almost almost life-threatening, right, still has to fast. Now, obviously, if it is life-threatening, you, you don't have to fast. But you know, it's a, one of the most serious fasts of the year. Um, and, and, and we're all like, what's the big deal? Yushalayim is not a ruin. It's a huge city. Right? We're back living in Israel, in Eretz Yisrael. Right? Now, I, I, okay, we can discuss. Yushalayim is definitely not rebuilt the way it was supposed to want it to be rebuilt. Right? You, can, you can see many examples of that all over the city. Um, right? As an aside, Yushalayim is not even a complete city. Yushalayim is a divided city. It's a split city. Right? You, know, you think of Yushalayim as West Jerusalem. Right? You don't realize that there's an entire East Jerusalem, right? Because you don't go there because you might die, right? <laughs> we don't even have the entire city. Right? So that's already, you know, something that we have to kind of reassess in our mind. But how, let, let's, what do we, how do we, how do we relate to Tisha B'Av? So okay, I've, I've dragged on for a little bit, so let, let's talk Tachlis. First of all, the first thing we have to do is shift perspectives. We have to shift our perspectives. The first thing we have to do is realize that this is not about a building. Yes, it is about a building. Okay, fine. But, it, but it's not about a building. Right? The building was destroyed 2,000 years ago. That we get. We're not connected to it so much. It's not about the building. Rav Chaim writes in that by the time the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed, it was merely sticks and stones. Right? We, all, we had already destroyed the spiritual Beis HaMikdash up in Shamaim, Whatever that means. Right? With our Averus. Meaning that this is a day not about a building of about what happens to Am Yisrael after they lose connection with the Kadosh Baruch Hu, right? And the, and and the day we even the day we fast, right? Tishvav, right? That Chazal tells us that the base of Megiddo started burning in the afternoon on Tishvav and burned all the way until midday on Yud Av on the tenth of Av, right? Which is why we have some of the morning restrictions are right, are relaxed after Chazos. If the morning was solely for the destruction of the building, we would be you know we're starting our fast about twelve. 12 hours too early. So the morning of Tisha B'Av in the three weeks is not about the building. It's what the Beis HaMikdash represents and the relationship and the way of life that we are missing. Like, like, just to, let's illustrate for a minute because I, I trying to be dramatic for, for a reason. Right, let's paint a picture of life like back in the day. Yeah, take a second to imagine that you live in the Beis HaMikdash, times in the Beis HaMikdash, right? Let's say uh, your, 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 your husband's a blacksmith or you're a blacksmith, right? Let's not skip the the gender discussion here, but you're a blacksmith. Your husband's a blacksmith. Right? You, you live a few miles north of your Shalayan Business is good. Right? You're living in a community top of a small hill. Right? Neighboring communities on the mountaintops. You know, religiously you're happy. Your life, your family, etc. Right? Three times a year you make the half journey, the half day journey to Shalayim. Right? You bring different korbanos for each holiday. Right? This is three times a year. Right? Vacation is no business man. I mean, I fly down to Florida. You're not going to Cancun. Right? This is three times a year, Pesach, Shavuach, and Sukkot. It's not like, oh, I'm going uh, to Montreal for my aunt for Seder. Right? You, everybody, everybody, literally everybody is going to Yushalayim, right? for three times a year. And you bring different korbanos for each holiday. Right? After Once in a while, after a simcha of some sort, or maybe you've been saved from sort of scary situation or whatever, you don't say hagomel, you bring a korban toda. Right, you go to the base of Mekdash, bring a korban toda, which was a massive korban. You need to make a huge feast. You can't possibly finish all that food yourself. You have to invite other people. 
right? That's in Yerushalayim, around the base of Mikdash. If business is particularly good, for example, you bring a Korban Pesach, you bring a Korban Ola, I'm sorry, or a Shlomim, whatever, to the base of Mikdash, just because you can, and you want to thank Kodesh Baruch Hu for, for your prosperity. On the flip side, let's say you do something on Shabbos that you didn't know was Aser, right? Let's say, I don't know, you, you tie your shoes in a double knot. So that's a Malach of Kosher, and you just, that's Nisr Daraisa. So, but you don't realize it was Aser, Right, you were lacking uh, yidia. So when you realize it was b'shogeg, when you realize your mistake, what do you do? You don't just like, oh, sorry. You bring a korban chatas. You go get a sheep and you schlep it to Yushalayim. Right? And you have this whole procedure to bring a korban to the Beis HaMikdash. When, uh, when a woman gives birth, there's a series of korbanos, right? There's a whole purification process. Right? On Yom Kippur, right? Yom Kippur is not, back in the day, he's not going to shul. You bring your, if you live in Yerushalayim, you bring your kids to the base of Mikdash to see the red string turn white, okay, and they didn't always do that, okay, whatever, fine, you can see the Avodah base of Mikdash, the Kohen Gadol, doing all this stuff, okay, you could, there's a whole uh, procedure, you walk the Kohen Gadol home, right, Emes Ma'nedar, right, that song that we sing is about the, walking the Kohen Gadol when he came out of the Kodesh Kadashim, you make a whole party, etc., right, to celebrate that he came out, Batara, uh, right, and he survived, etc., there's so many things to do with the base of Mikdash, when you had uh, trees in your backyard and it started blooming right you'd mark it with some sort of red cloth and bring the first fruits of the season to Yushalayim for Bikurim you're starting to see a pattern yeah you're, you're starting to get the point right when the Bisa Mikdash was standing God was ever present in our lives right Hashem and our relationship with him wasn't something we did once in a while it's not Yiddishkeit wasn't something that competed with Netflix and TikTok right Hashem was everything right? the Bisa Mikdash was everything right that was the connection between us and Hashem that was that's what it represented right and we all felt that quite strongly right our entire lives right revolved around the base of Mikdash and therefore our entire lives revolved around the relationship with the Kodesh Baruch right nowadays Baruch Hashem if you're listening to this podcast I assume right we have some sort of relationship to our Kodesh Baruch but I don't think anybody myself included will f- characterize that relationship as an ever-present relationship Unfortunately, for for you know more or less, we relate to a kashbaru when we kind of feel like it, or when we need something, right? When we daven, when we learn, when we fast, when we do you know chagim mitzvahs, then we have time for kashbaru. But if we're working or having fun or doing other stuff, so very often Hashem takes the back seat, right? And uh, we can all, I think everybody would agree that their relationship with a kashbaru could be a little stronger. Yet, I think everybody would also agree, and most of us are very complacent with that relationship. Right? Where very few people think, I need to be closer to Hashem. Right? Again, if you're straight out of Sam or Yeshiva, okay, maybe you think about it a little bit more. Uh, okay, Mitzvah I hope that fire never leaves you. But not everybody is a Ben or a Bas Aliyah. Right? Maybe, maybe you want to dive in better, or learn a little more, eat a higher, I don't know, level of kashas or whatever. But very few of us want to have Hashem ever present, more present in our lives. Right? We're basically happy with our connection with the Gosh Baruch Hu. Right? He's around when we need it, right? but not so around. So we to the point where he's not so, he's close, but he's not so close. Like when we run to the beach for a few hours, we could forget about that while we sunbathe. Yeah, okay. We'll come back to our Gosh Baruch Hu a little bit later. So that that's what most of us have. And in terms of the mitzvahs that we do perform, right? How many of them are performed to the best of our ability? Right? Most of the mitzvahs we do nowadays are all by rote, right? without any feeling or thought or emotion or preparation. Right? How many times have you truly sat down and thought about? what you're about to do. Right? Let's say a few minutes before davening, or a few minutes before learning, or whatever. Right? How often have you, like, prepped for a holiday that's coming up by studying the halachos? 
Most of it, well, you just show up, shake the lulav, eat the matzah, you know, sing the songs, yippee So this is what Rav Pinkus writes. Rav Pinkus writes the pshat in the Medrash and Eicha, in the fourth paragraph. It says, Medrash Puzzle says, Hashem took his anger out on sticks and stones, instead of Am Yisrael. And Hashem destroyed the Beis Hamikdash instead of us. What could the Medrash possibly mean? Hashem doesn't need to take his anger out. What does that mean? That's the law of the Medrash. Medrash says, Hashem, Baruch Hashem, Hashem didn't destroy Am Yisrael. He took his anger out on sticks and stones. What is that? Hashem's not a person. Hashem's not subject to these emotions. Yes, okay, we talk about Hashem having these emotions so we can understand a little bit. But Hashem doesn't need to take his anger out. He's not frustrated. It explains Rav Pinkas. No, at that time, what was going on at the time of the Beis Hamikdash? Right, B'nai Yisrael were sinning. But they had the Beis So as we said before, right, they, they would bring korbanos every single day. The korbanos would be mechaper. They would atone for the averos that B'nai Yisrael were doing. So basically what happened was, right, B'nai Yisrael would sin. There would be korbanos. Right, and they would get a clean slate. And they get tshuva and kapar, etc. So they were in an endless, vicious cycle. A never-ending cycle. Where they would sin, get kapara, sin again, get a kapara. And, and and it was never ending. So to break the cycle of sin, a Baruch who destroyed the base of Mikdash, right? To shock Bnei Israel, right? And to wake them up from their stupor. It was as if Hashem was saying, like, listen, this lifestyle is not okay, right? You need to change your daily routine right? because the Jews couldn't get themselves out of it, right? They had all the it ingrained all the habits. Nothing bad was happening. They were sinning. They were getting atonement. Okay, why why would I stop? So Hashem Baruch had to break them out of it and eliminate the medium. Right, that they would use right, to cement them in with the way of life. Right, so the Beis HaMikdash had become no more than a tool for continuing the Avera-filled lifestyle that the Jews had sunk into. That's what the Beis HaMikdash was back at, at the time of the Churban. So therefore Hashem had to destroy it. So for someone who thinks their relationship with the Gosh Baruch Hu is on solid ground, and I guarantee you that the Jews at the time of the Beis HaMikdash thought that, and we kind of think that, Right? We all think that we're, you know, we're trying, we're trying, we're trying, we're trying as hard as we can. You know, a relationship with Hashem, with Hashem is good. No, why not? So I would imagine, right, the people back then in the time of the base of Mikdash thought the relationship with Hashem was fine too. Right? Did Averos, oh, but he got Kapara, the, the Korbanos atoned for it. For that person to suddenly realize in a moment of like terrifying clarity, right, that he's actually not good with a Gosh Baruch right, that is terrifying. Right? Can you imagine? Stop, stop for a second. I don't know. If stop. You have to stop the podcast. But think for a second. Imagine that you're actually not good with a Gosh Baruch Hu. and Gosh Baruch is actually very angry. And I'll give it a second, just so you can. I don't even want to say more words. But that's terrifying because we all think that we're fine. That's terrifying. That's the horrible understanding that basically the Jews kind of came to realize, right, when they marched out of Yushalayim, blood in the streets, right, literally blood flowing to the to the rivers, right, religiously things were not as good as they seemed, right, when Yirmiyahu warned them for years, right, they, he wasn't actually like a mad lunatic, but he was actually a prophet, Rav Soloveitchik, the Rav writes out, writes in, uh, he has a book on, on uh, what's it, it's called, The Lord is Righteous in All His Ways, that the first word of the Kinos that we say tomorrow morning is Shavas, right, that has a, a Kenoshan a connotation, a connotation of suddenness. Right? Shavas, right? It's just like Hashem rested on Shabbos, meaning an Hashem right, is exact in his resting from, from weekday to Shabbos. Right? It's right away, immediate. Just like the day changes from Kodesh Gachol, so too the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed. Right? And even in the sense that the Jew, even though the Jews were told the Beis HaMikdash was going to be destroyed, and they were besieged, and there was a famine, and they had no food, right? 
still, it was the Navi, the, the Kinos explained it was so sudden that they didn't have time to prepare, right? Normally, when there's a disaster, let's say, I don't know, there's a hurricane coming, right? So people hunger down, you know, whatever, things get boarded up, people are ready. But for the Khurban, nobody was ready. But it was so sudden that even Yumiyo, Yumiyo himself, right, he get the Rav points out, right, he prophesied countless times Yishalayim was going to be destroyed. He didn't expect it to be so quick, right? Gosh Baruch sent him to buy a field, right, for his uncle, and when he came back, the base Hamitash was gone. Right, so, so the Jews, right, surely thought that they were on good terms with the Gosh Baruch that everything would be fine. Yeah, okay, they had a little trouble, not so much food, enemy army, they thought they were going to be fine. Now, back, now what about us? Now, we also think are, think things are going to be fine. Right? Just what's happened now in Israel. Oh, okay, the disagreement about some sort of like, you know, some sort of political thing that I don't really understand. And Iran and this. Okay, things will be fine. Well, what if things are not fine? Right? So what if our relationship with the Kosh Baruch Hu is not as fine as we think? Right? That's what happened in times of Bishamitash. So it's not about a building. It's about thinking about our relationship with the Kosh Baruch Hu. Right? If Pickus has a whole long... And if you can get his Sefer on Galos and Nechama, and you can go through the Hebrew, the Hebrew is not so bad. It's an unbelievable Sefer. Um, he writes that Tisha B'Av is a day of Cheshben HaNefesh. To think about the past, but also to think about the future, and what it means, what your relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, right, and how we can change it. Right? It's something that's that uh, that we need to kind of change our kind of focus, and think about, uh, you know, obviously the Beis Amitash, obviously, but, but what the Beis Amitash represented in the way of life, uh, that it that it uh, testified to, um, and what we are doing now is is almost like preparatory for Yom Noraim, right? When we talk about Cheshvan and Nefesh, right, usually all those schmoozes come out of Shani Yom Kippur. Certainly Chodesh Elul, think about yourself, improve yourself, etc. Now of Chodesh of and the suffering and, the, and the, the destruction of Chodesh of is a necessary preparation for Elul and the Yom Noraim. How so? Because very simply, because we see the result of Avera. Right, we see the result of sin. Of a, we see, I mean, all this stuff of of, of Yom Nuraim and Yom Kippur and judgment, etc. Well, we see the month before we're literally reliving and experiencing and thinking about what happens if a person doesn't do tshuva and things don't get better. So this is the crucial avodah on Tisha B'av that we have to think about our own lives. Is to start the Cheshbon Nefesh of the Yom Nuraim, right, even a month, uh, even a month earlier. Um. Okay, uh, I just want to, a couple of short little points over here that I just want to kind of make. Um, I heard a very beautiful point. I guess just one more point. Uh, a beautiful point. My neighbor, I don't know, some of you, if you're uh, you here in the seminary this year, I'm not sure if you taught last year also, but uh, Rafael Mendelovitz, Mendelovitz from, uh, gave, a, gave a class this year in the, in the seminary. Uh, he lives next door to me. He's only living next door to me for another month because he's getting kicked out of his house. Unfortunately, the uh, the landlord is selling the house and uh, wants him out. So he had, and his wife had a very, very difficult time finding housing. Right? There's a housing crisis in Israel. Right? In, in Harnof, there's like nothing for sale. Right? Nothing to rent. So things are crazy. So he ended up moving to Ramot. Right? He finally, finally, after months and months and months and months and months, Found a, couldn't find a place. He looked all over the place. Looked, looked for in like six or seven towns. Finally found a place in Ramot. And the other side of Yishalayim. I said, do you know anybody in Ramot? He's like, no. Does your wife know anybody in Ramot? No. Do your kids live in Ramot? No. <laughs> he couldn't find anything. Finally ended up in Ramot. What's, what's the what's the, fort? what's the avoda? What's the message? He said this to me. Very beautiful. Very powerful. He said, 
He said that for he's homeless. Lachora, he's homeless. Yeah, and they found something, but for a couple of months he was he was very very homeless. He said the avoda is that a koshbach is also homeless. That we have to feel like you know koshbach was bias burned down, right? And we have to rebuild it, and it's up to us to kiviyachal give a koshbach a home. But Hashem wants us to feel like him. If we can't empathize with that and think about the base, I mean, they're starving for that. So what are we really doing? But Hashem is trying to get him, he thought, and us also, to realize the dire situation of being of being homeless. Right? It's very hard. Right? We, we, we don't really relate to homelessness. right? Yeah. Jews for thousands of years, right? we're, we're homeless. We're traveling from here to there, kicked out of here, kicked out of there. We have, we have a very, very difficult time with that. But he was saying that that was the message that he was taking. How, because how many of us are actively trying to bring back the base of Like, actually trying. Like, okay, it's fine, so we break a glass at a wedding. And like we leave a square in our apartments unpainted and hang something nice that says, you know, Zechel Churban or whatever. Well, what are we actually doing? Are any of us actually trying to bring back the Besamidash? Like with our Kamilas Chasadim, with our Benenom Lechavero? Anybody here say Tikkun Chatzos? I definitely don't. Right? There are things we could be doing to help base, rebuild the Besamidash. Uh, when we just simply, the first thing to do, if you're, if you, or of that idea is to think about when you daven, right? We have several things that we say in Shmonesrei that we daven for Shad to bring back the base of Midash. When we step back after Shmonesrei, right? Three steps back, Osa Shalom Bermov, etc., etc. Yiruz Olam for Nachash, Amal Kenev, Oseinu Sheibana base of Midash. So we should try to think about that and realize that this is something that we need. This this is something that we need to improve the relationship we have with Hakadosh Baruch Hu. and we should think about it and take it seriously and try and do things that will help us actively, right? Bring back. The Beis Hamikdash, and Mr. Shem, here you want to Beis Hamikdash. We'll be able to uh, celebrate at Vemher Vi Amenu and Amen Kenyon also.